Amen. If you would, uh, grab your Bibles back to Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 3, and continuing the series. I thought about doing a Mother's Day message tonight, but then I thought, nah. Um, most Mother's Day messages are too fluffy for me, so I just, uh, you know, they're much nicer than I want to be normally. So I don't know. I don't know how to do. I don't know how to do it. So uh, when Pastor mentioned that his back was spasming a little bit this morning, so I, I just kind of glanced at some Mother's Day messages I had. So I had pulled. I had pulled an old one and said, "All right, I, I got this one." And then we got up here, and I said, "He goes." Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be good to go. And so I said, good, because all I did was glance at it. I barely know what's in that message. We're going to find out if I had to preach it. We'd, we'd all learn what I was going to say together, I'll tell you that. Uh, Galatians 3, I'm ready for this one, though. So uh, I feel much more comfortable preaching this than I would have this morning. Uh, Galatians 3, verse number 1, we'll start. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set, bef- set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish? Have ye begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect in the flesh? by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you in the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth, he, doeth it he by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as... <coughs> Excuse me, even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are the work of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Uh, We'll stop right there for the moment. Uh, Once again, uh, we'll finish out the chapter before the night is over. But uh, chapter 3 here of Galatians and the first couple of chapters, the first chapter was all about the true gospel. What's the truth? What's the real gospel? What's the truth of the preaching of the gospel? And uh, the, the church at Galatia, of course, throughout the book, you're seeing, uh, including in this chapter, that they have been betrayed and bewitched and twisted from the truth of what the gospel is. And so we talked a lot about the true gospel. And then chapter two, we talked about our liberty in Christ and how we gained that liberty through the gospel. And uh, we get into liberty in that chapter. And then he gets back to chapter 3, and here he ultimately is talking about uh, verse number 11, uh, I think is going to be the theme of the chapter, and he makes the statement that no, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. The just shall, for the just shall live by faith. Uh, and tonight I want to preach on the just shall live by faith. Uh, oftentimes we... We look at our lives, and the reason you and I have liberty is because of the gospel. We got set at liberty. We talked about that last time, uh, right? We got, we got the true gospel. When we got the true gospel in place, we got liberty in Christ. And because of that liberty in Christ, we now get to live by faith. 
Uh, it is a life of faith. It's not just based upon our salvation. It's not just the idea that He saved us, although that's part of our faith, and we'll get to that shortly. Uh, it's more than that. It's more than the idea of just, hey, uh, well, we live by faith because we trusted Christ, and that's it. Uh, that's not the end. If that's the end of your faith, you aren't living by faith. Uh, instead, you are living still in a temporal place, doing the temporal things. The constant that Jesus Christ had with the disciples was that he wanted them to see the invisible things of the, of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. He wanted them to see the invisible things. He wanted them to understand, right? We understand the idea of faith. The, the definition is found simply in Hebrews chapter 11 that it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We can't see the invisible, but we can understand those invisible things from the creation of the world are understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. We understand that we can, we can understand who God is and we can realize there's a God based upon the evidence that He has given us in a creation. Of the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork day on a day, utter speech, and night on a night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth. Uh, there's no place that can't figure out there's a God in heaven who is the creator. And they can believe that by faith. They don't have to see that God exists. They understand it by what he has done. You have a Bible sitting in your lap tonight, and either you can believe that God gave you a book, or you can just decide he didn't. But the evidence of the book being from God is there. Uh, we can do that. I can do that all day. We can, we can just go and pound down all the, all the verses you go to and all the things, and you can't explain away, and you can't get away from it, and... Uh, I mean, good night, we were covering enough of it in Job this morning alone to cover the fact that God wrote a Bible. And if he's not the author, then I have no idea where it came from because man couldn't have done it. And so the evidences are there. And those evidences bring us to certain places, and uh, we're going to get into the, I'm going to go three things here in the chapter that I see that it ought to bring you to, and living by faith. And so let's have a word of prayer and get into it tonight. Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you. Uh, Lord, for a wonderful, a wonderful time today, uh, Lord, the preaching this morning and just the fellowship time and just being able to honor some of the mothers, uh, Lord, I pray that, uh, Father, they were blessed this morning especially, and I pray even tonight would be a blessing to them, uh, but Lord, I do pray you would get the praise and the honor and the glory this evening, Father, that you would just work in hearts and help us to see some things maybe in our life that you would increase our faith on, and we'd be able to change some things and do some things a little farther and a little bit better for our Savior, and once again, we pray you would uh, just come back soon, Lord. We'd love to see you even tonight. Bless the night in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first thing I want you to think about is, of course, salvation. Our salvation is by faith. Uh, he makes that abundantly clear in the chapter. He's made it abundantly clear in chapters 1 and 2, uh, and he continues that. In verse number 2, he made the statement, This only what I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit capital S, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did you get the Holy Spirit? How did you get salvation? Well, you got it through the faith in Christ. You got, you got it through faith. You didn't get it through doing something great and the Holy Spirit showed up and now that you're amazing, you get to have the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's not how it worked. We didn't do anything based upon the just, being justified by the law. It's evident over and over again, uh, verse number 11, uh, that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. That's evident. That's simple to see. Uh, the, see, the problem with mankind, the, the idea of religion, right? We've talked about this before. I'm not going to spend long on point number one, I'll tell you that. Uh, but the idea is that, hey, if religion could get you to heaven, it would be based upon the fact that you were good enough to get to heaven. 
The problem with that is, what do you do with all the things that you did wrong? The law is there to condemn. Uh, he reminds us that, uh, verse number 10, as many as the wor- are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which, were, which are written in the book of the law to do them. As soon as we stop doing everything we were supposed to do, you're condemned. <laughs> you're cursed. You can't, you can't get around it. And so our salvation is not based upon the works that we've done. It's based upon our faith in the Son of God who gave His life a ransom for many and paid the debt of our sins. Notice what he said in verse number 13. He said that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We got our salvation based upon the promise that God made that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that He was buried and that He rose again, and we trusted Him, and He gave us salvation. He washed us of all of our sins. It's faith that we can believe that Jesus Christ, not only did He die and not only did He give His life, but that He gave His life a ransom for many. That He died not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Either He died for our sins and He rose again, or He just died and He never rose then it doesn't matter. None of those things would matter. Either we believe it or we don't believe it. That's why salvation is so simple by faith that mankind doesn't want want to go that way because, well, if we go that way, then I didn't do anything to get it. (laughs) You're right, you didn't do anything to get it. It's by faith alone. Look down at verse number 22. He says, But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin. Why? Because of the law that was given. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. It's given. He gives us the gift of eternal life. It's given to us. Salvation has come by faith and faith alone. Look back at verse number 6. The example he gives is in verse number 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. I believed God and God gave me righteousness. Well, doesn't that sound familiar? In that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Abraham was given righteousness based upon the fact that he believed God. (laughs) Say, when did he do that? When he trusted that he would do what he said he would do. In fact, you get the cross-reference, it would be Genesis chapter 22 when he offered up Isaac. Trusted God. God says, okay, then I'm going to count it as righteousness. Now, Abraham is before the law. In fact, we're going to get into that here in just a moment. He's before the law. The law doesn't exist. You say, well, what is he living by? By faith. By faith. And what did he do? He believed God. And God counted it for righteousness. And so then we get to verse number Uh, 13 here, we started reading already. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham... 
Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant which was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. See, he's saying here, just because the Lord brought the law back, law into play 430 years later, didn't get rid of the promise he made to Abraham. It didn't disannul the promise that he made. And that seed is going to go to the Gentiles as well. Reading the context. And that seed is Christ. And he's about to bring in and show us what great inheritance we get because of the promises that were made to Abraham. Now, we don't steal the land. We don't take those things. We get the spiritual promises. Uh, Israel gets the physical promises. You and I get a spiritual promise. And we'll get into that in a moment. But he says, for if the inheritance, verse number 18, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law. It was added because of transgressions. You realize God had to bring the law in because Israel wasn't living up to the standard they should have lived up to based upon who God is and who they were supposed to be. We'll get into that in a moment as well. It is no more of promise. So wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to the promise, who the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. There's one God and one mediator. Between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. God's one party. Well, who's the other? You and I are the other. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. If the law could get, get set up so that it could give somebody life, God would have gone that way. But it can't. It can't give life. So you needed a mediator. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by, uh, by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Say, what was the law doing? The law was doing this job of bring, being a schoolmaster. The transgression had come. Israel was stepping out. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They weren't living the way they were supposed to live. So the law steps back in. And God sets up the law and he puts it in there. Why? So that they start living right in front of a world who is so wicked. And they were supposed to be separated. And they were supposed to be a peculiar people, zealous of good works. They were supposed to be a peculiar people and a peculiar nation to God. And it be set up that way. And they chose to go a different direction. And God said, well, this transgression's here. I'm going to have to put something in place to keep them where I need them to be. But it doesn't save them. It didn't save Israel then. It won't save you now. And instead, you got salvation by faith when you trusted Him, and God put you into a covenant. Not only do you have salvation by faith, you've got a covenant by faith. And it's a covenant of promises. And there's promises that you and I have gotten because we trusted Christ. Now, they're not the same promises that Israel got. He's got, a, he's got a physical set of promises that he gets, but he's got a spiritual set of promises that he gets, and you and I are on the spiritual side. He brought us down into, and he'll get to it in a moment, he brought us down from Jews and Gentiles, and he brought us into the church of God. 
And in doing so, he gives us a set of promises, not the least of which is the fact that he promised to give you eternal life. Not just life for a day and not just, oh, well, if you trust me, you'll be fine and I'll take care of all your needs and I'll do all these things. No, he gave you the promise of eternal life. In hope of eternal life, Titus chapter 1, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. The promise was, hey, I'm going to give you eternal life. When you and I got saved, when we trusted Christ by faith, he gave us eternal life. Look back at uh, verse number 3 here, this chapter. He said, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Hey, you figured out salvation was by faith. You got, you got the Spirit by faith. There you go. So what are you doing trying to bring the law back in? Is that the thing that's going to keep it so that you have heaven? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? That's the question he's asking. Hey, you got saved. Are you going to keep your salvation because you're keeping it because you're doing so great? Well, obviously not. He's going, you're, Galatians, you're foolish. He starts off the chapter, oh, foolish Galatians. Verse 3, are you so foolish? To think what? To think that you got saved by, the, by trusting Jesus Christ because you weren't good enough, but now you can hang on to it yourselves? Well, that doesn't work. <laughs> well, yeah, but if I keep all these do's and don'ts, I'll be fine. That's not how it works. That doesn't guarantee you heaven. What guaranteed you heaven was the fact that he died for you and you trusted him. There's no way to lose it. The, the hope of eternal life is promised by God Almighty and His promise is that He'll save to the uttermost all them that will trust in Him. And that's His side. You see, it's a covenant. You know, the amazing idea of the covenant is it's the agreement, it's the contract that they make. You realize when Abraham was making the covenant with God, he was sleeping? <laughs> so how much work did he do? He was sleeping. <laughs> That's how much work he did. Great job, Abraham. Say, who made sure what the promises would be? God did. Who designed the covenant? God did. Who came to the terms? God did. Who got the covenant? Abraham. Because he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Say, what happened at my salvation? You got all the terms of the agreement that he had already set up for you. Say, what were the terms? That if you trust His Son, Jesus Christ, He'd give you eternal life. And the life is in His Son, and you've got the Son, and so you've got life. But that wasn't the only promise He made. You realize He reminds us in Psalms to forget not all His benefits. Say, what kind of benefits? That He'd never leave me nor forsake me. That's a pretty good deal right there. The fact that He'd not only save you for all of eternity, but He didn't leave you comfortless. He says, hey, I'm not going anywhere. You may mess up and you may go the wrong direction, but I'm still here. He made the promises over and over again. You can go through. We've got tons of promises. Uh, he's got a promise to you that you can step before a throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You've, you've got the promise that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You've got the promise of peace from a holy God. You've got... I, we could do this for a very long time. you got promise after promise after promise. You realize that you and I, uh, it's, it's very similar to buying a car. What do you mean? You entered into the contract, you got the car, you got the vehicle, and uh, we've, we've got that Toyota Highlander, right? And uh, it's fancy. Uh, I bought it for my wife, so 
it's fancy and I drive the beat-up Silverado, right? Um, say, uh, what does it have? It had stuff. I had no idea what it did. I, I still don't know what half the stuff does in that car, I don't think. I, every time I turn around, there's some other button that I was like, hey, what does this do? Oh, that's a, that, okay, all right, that's cool. That's another thing. Uh, I have no clue. Uh, I have no clue what half that car does. Uh, it probably does more than I could ever figure out anyways. Uh, you say, well, what happened? Uh, every car, right? You get in the car, you know automatic things are, are in the car, right? Uh, you, you know, you, you go up and you, you got a steering wheel, hopefully, right? And you got the gas and the brake, right? And, uh, the, you know, hopefully the doors lock somehow, whether they're manual or automatic, you got some lock. Maybe you got a Maybe your car's cooler, right? And uh, hers is cooler than my truck, right? She's got the automatic car starter so she can be warm and she's got the heated seats and everything's really nice, you know? And then I got the Silverado. Um, and uh, you say, what do you get? Sometimes you get things in the car you didn't even know were there. You, you didn't know. You knew it had a steering wheel. You knew it drove fine. You knew everything was all right. You took it for the test drive. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, uh, brother Ed Schweitzer, a good friend of mine, he and I were, uh, when we were just down in Philly, we were driving together. He had a, I don't know what his minivan is. I can't remember. It might be a Toyota Sienna or a, a Honda Odyssey or something, you know. And he goes, uh, yeah, they told me it didn't have the backup camera or anything in it. He goes, uh, and then he, he puts the van in reverse and he goes, <laughs> had the backup camera. He goes, I bought the van, no backup camera. I, I, get, I drive home and I have a backup camera. He goes, I didn't even know it was in here. That's a pretty nice deal. That's a pretty nice deal. You realize uh, when you got saved, did you know all the promises that you had from God? Nope. <laughs> you had no idea all the things he could do for you and all the things he'd be willing to do for you. And you realize you entered into the contract, he knew all the terms of the agreement, and you didn't know hardly any of them. You just knew your sins were going to be forgiven. And you entered into the contract and you said, boy, this is a great covenant, man. I'm going to heaven. This is amazing. I'm, I didn't even, and then he goes, yeah, but I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. And you went, is that part of this deal? Amen. I didn't even know that was part of this deal. <laughs> you mean you're not going to leave me comfortless? That when the world goes through troubles and the world goes through problems and they can't, they don't have any way out. I got a way out because I got, you mean I've got a way to escape all of my troubles? And the temptations that I have and the old life that I had, I don't have to go back to those things. It was that, that's all just the benefits. That's the promises as part of a covenant that you got by faith and you have no idea. And if you trust Him in the promises, He'd do exceeding abundantly above anything you could ask or think. Say, so what'd you get? You got a covenant by faith. He agreed. He set up the terms. You had no idea half of what you were signing up for. And now you're going, looking back going, I can't believe he did that for me and that for me and that for me. And if all he would have done was keep me out of hell for all of eternity, I'd have still made out on the deal. And instead, he just kept giving you benefit after benefit after benefit after benefit. And you're like, oh, man, I got a car starter. <laughs> oh, man, we got heated seats in this thing. There's a backup camera. I mean, this is unbelievable. And the Lord says, yeah, I've got more than that. If you trust me. Faith. Too many times we don't go before a throne of grace because we don't think he'd give us mercy or grace. Too many times we don't ask him for the help or the need or to fill in and supply and do because we just don't think either we don't, we don't think we're worthy of it or we don't think he'd care enough to do it. 
Most of the time it's the first because you forgot how great of a God you have. You forgot that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That means He so loved you. And He still loves you. You say, well, yeah, but I mess up a lot. Yeah, so does everybody else. If you'd be willing, He'd be willing. Because that's who He is. You see, we are in part... We are in salvation. We have salvation by faith. We, are, we entered into a covenant by faith whether we knew it or not. And because of those two things, you realize we can live by faith. Verse 26. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now what he has done is, the just shall live by faith. <laughs> and he ends the chapter talking about the children, and who we are in, because we have Christ. We're now children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. The problem we have is we don't live like we're the children of God. We want to go back and live like we're in the world. We want to go back and live like we're part of what we used to be. And we're, we want to go and we don't remember, hey, we're a child of God now. Uh, one of the, one of the, you've heard me say it before. It's one of my favorite quotes from Walter Ziegler ever. He says, uh, you're a child of God. Act like it. <laughs> you know, it can't be that simple. Sometimes it's that simple. Well, I don't know what to do. What would a child of God do? Okay, act like that. Do that. Well, I don't know what else to do. Do that. Figure out what God would do and then do that. That, that sounds too simple. Uh, okay, fine. Glenn Stockard put it this way. What would the devil want you to do? What would God want you to do? Now choose a side. Just, just pick one. Which side are you going to go with? Well, that, that sounds way too simple. That's it. that's it. It's that simple. Whose child do you want to be? Which one do you want to be associated with? You see, He saved us by faith. He made that covenant by faith. He gave us the liberty that He promised us in chapter 2 by the gospel that He promised us in chapter 1. And He goes, hey, if you, if you go ahead and you trust the gospel, I'll give you liberty so that you can live by faith. See, He did that on purpose. He gave us the gospel to set us free so we can live in liberty. And then He gave us faith to be able to trust Him to do it His way as opposed to your way. The liberty is so that you can live by faith in Him. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He did it on purpose. To do what? To give us the faith we need to believe and trust what He said so that we can now, no longer have the old man. He says that we could put on Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He wants us to put on Christ. Christ. Look over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We could read just about the whole chapter. I won't. I'll read half the chapter. Verse number 17. 
And if you could do math, it is half the chapter. Uh, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye, ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. That what's he's, back there in Galatians chapter, four, chapter 3, he said that we are no longer Jews nor Greeks. There's neither bond nor free. There's not male or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Hey, don't walk as other Gentiles walk. You haven't learned Christ. That's not what Christ would do. Now he continues. And he says, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, there it is, put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. He says, hey, you're going to have to put off the old man and put on the new one. So what is that? That's living by faith. <laughs> living by faith is, I don't have to do it the way that I thought before. It was, that's the flesh. That's what I know. That's what I know to do and what I know to be true and this is how I live and this is how I've always done it and this is what I can logically come to a conclusion on and this is exactly and that's how the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. They think they know. How many people do you come across? They think they know what they're doing. And you look at them and you go, you don't have any clue what you're doing. <laughs> you have no clue. Will you stop doing that? Why? Because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and the Lord says, yeah. You need to stop doing that because you don't know what you're doing. You keep walking in the vanity of your old, your old walk. Stop keeping the old man on, and instead, let's put the new man on. That, that's living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's putting his faith and his mind, and let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Say, what do I got to change? Verse number 25. Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Well, first thing you ought to do is put away lying. Put that one off. Quit lying. And tell the truth. Well, you just, I mean, I, I, I but then I'd look bad. I know. Oftentimes we look bad when the truth comes out. But maybe you ought to be true. You know what's amazing to me? Why don't you trust the Lord that he'll get you through the trouble if you just be true? You know, you're, you're holding under that bondage of the lie. And you have to keep lying to keep it covered. And eventually the web of deceit goes away. And all they find is the truth still. What amazing mercy is there when the Lord is allowed to go ahead and work with the truth. Well, I wouldn't look so great. Yeah, that's probably true. But why don't you let the Lord take care of that part? Well, then everybody will know what I've done. Well, maybe you ought to take it to the Lord first and find out what He'd do with it.
Go talk to somebody who can help you out for a moment. And then take care of the problem. Put away lying. Speak every man the truth with his neighbor. Be angry and sin not. Well, there's... <laughs> we can all stop that one. We'll get to that in a moment, though. It gets again gets hit again, by the way, in verse 31. We'll get there. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give that need, to him that needeth. Uh, put off stealing. Quit stealing. Quit taking things that aren't yours. Time, money, possessions. I don't know what it is. Quit stealing. And do what? Work. <laughs> Labor. And then give. Both of those things take the place of stealing, by the way. Working and then giving. Well, I don't steal anything. You know, I'm a, I'm a good person. You know, I'd never steal anything. How much time do you waste? How much time do you just waste? Now, I'm all for leisure, taking a break, going ahead, taking a moment, right? I was reading, um, I'm at the hospital a lot, in case you're wondering, <laughs> 24 hours at a time. And uh, so I do a lot of work overnight. Patrick's sleeping, I'm working, uh, I'm writing messages. In fact, I wrote this overnight. Um, one of the nights I was there, uh, and I'm studying, and I'm working, and I'm doing different things. And I'm reading, I like to read, I read articles and different things. And uh, one of the things that I saw was from uh, just some CEO. He was, he was a CEO. They interviewed him uh, about what makes him efficient, his efficiency, and trying to be more efficient. He said, I wasn't organized when I started. I was terrible. He said, but... Uh, uh, I slowly implemented certain things. He's got like a 12-step like crazy thing that he does in the morning. Just his morning routine is 12 pieces that he puts together. One of those pieces, he said, rule number one for me is don't touch my phone. And I thought, this is a lost dude. I don't, as far as I know, this guy's lost. He goes, I found that in the morning I would pick up my phone to check all my messages and I'd flip into my social media, and I would start into all these pieces. He goes, and I would, I would be on there for all of a sudden, it would be an hour would go by. I've lost an hour of my day. I lost all my productivity. I thought, how foolish do I feel sometimes? You grab your phone, and it starts with, I need to check those text messages and answer everybody and get things taken care of and organized. And, and all of a sudden, you let yourself slide over into wasting all your time. Say, why do you say that? I'm sitting at a hospital for 24 hours, all right? You know what I can do? I can waste a lot of time flipping through and reading a ton of different things that I shouldn't read. And just nothing, nothing wicked, just sitting there, you know. Now I'm on my fifth story about the Yankees winning, Right? I already knew the Yankees won, all right? I don't need to read the fifth story about the Yankees win, but here I am reading another article on how great the Yankees are, and they're doing great this year, so it's easy to find those articles right now. Uh, don't worry, they'll start losing a few games. The next thing you know, everybody will be how awful we are, and Cashman should be fired again, and you know, uh, it'll all go the other way, and then I'll read all those articles, right? Because what? I'm just wasting my time. Just wasting time. Say, so what am I doing? I'm stealing time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We don't redeem enough of our time. 
And who are we stealing from? From the Lord. That's just an example. I thought, man, how much time do we lose? Just from simple things like that. How many times do we do something? And, and I don't, I'm not talking about leisure. You ought to take some time. He told the disciples, come apart and rest a while. All right? I'm all for taking a break. All right? You need a break, take a break. <laughs> Before you blow up and come apart and fall apart. <laughs> but, come on. <laughs> we've all been sucked into that spot where we've been doing something and it just kind of lingered. And we were just content with doing nothing. And it wasn't because we needed to do nothing. It was because our flesh wanted us to do nothing. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. There it is. Say, so what's the contrast? <laughs> Stealing and laboring. And give to him that hath need. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Uh, exchange some corrupt communication for some edifying ones. So who are you preaching at? Me right here. I, am, I, I love joking around. Pastor and I joke around way too much probably. All right? I'll be honest. I make too many jokes. He makes too many jokes. We, that's what we do. Uh, we do it out of love, though. We love each other. We get to bust on each other a little bit. Guys do it. He mentioned it this morning. Guys do it all the time. Uh, we, we need to be a little bit more choosy sometimes of how we do it, when we do it, where we do it, all those pieces. But evil communications corrupt good manners. You know, a child of God should have good manners. That ought to be thought well of. Say, so why? Because you're pointing to who your parent is. You want him to be looking good. So what do you got to do? Well, minister grace by using words that will edify. We find, we find it very difficult sometimes to have a word fitly spoken. We find it more difficult to say the right thing at the right time to help somebody when we'll gladly be critical so easily. Uh, say, who, who are you talking about? Me. <laughs> Me. We find, we find the thing that's wrong. I was just talking to a bunch of friends of mine, pastor friends of mine and different guys. Some of us are associates, you know, like, like me. We're in, we're in that position. And, uh, you know, some... You're sitting there, and you know what we have to do? You know, we, I literally have to do this anytime anybody preaches. I, I'm not talking about pastor or any of the guys here in particular. I mean, I could be listening to, to David Peacock and uh, you know, Sam Gipp and grab your favorite preacher, whoever it is. I could be listening to them, and you know what I'm still doing? In my head, I'm analyzing. So what do you mean? I'm analyzing every. How did they do that? Why did they do that? The points that they have. I wouldn't have done it that way. I would have done it this. Way. I'm all critical. Instead of sitting there and actually listening to what he had to say, I find myself doing that. When you grow up in church, you know what you do. You've heard so many preachers and so many guys. That's what you do. It's normal. <laughs> and you know what we have to do? Stop being critical. 
Stop thinking about the criticism. Stop thinking about, well, I wouldn't have done it that way, and, and if they would have just done this, or if they would have just done that, or if, you know, uh, I can't believe they said it that way, and they need to fix this, and all those weird mannerisms that they have, they need to stop doing that. So who's doing that? That's me. That's in my head. It doesn't help that I teach preaching classes, so I have to watch that while somebody else is doing it. And then I get sit here, and I'm listening to pastor. I'm listening to somebody come in, and in my head I'm going, what are they doing? Oh, who would do that? You can't close with that. How, what kind of a conclusion is that? You didn't even get anywhere, you know? And all these pieces are all coming in, and I'm doing, you say, what is that? It's poor communications. It's poor communications. I'm not thinking the way I'm supposed to think. I'm not getting ready to say the things that I should say. Too many times we get critical, and our communication gets corrupted, and we're ready to tell them all the things they've done wrong, and they can't even get any praise for what they've done right. You can't encourage somebody because you're too busy looking at all the things they've done wrong and failures they've had. Well, maybe you could minister some grace, be a little gracious with somebody who's failed so that you can edify them so they'll be stronger for the next time. Minister grace onto the hearers. So what are you doing? Just putting off some things to put on some things? So that I could do what? So that I could put on Christ and live by faith. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. That all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. He says, uh, Hey, by the way, we've got a whole list of things you can put off right here. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Oh, all malice. Scared of all that. Quit being malicious. You know, I, I, don't, think, I don't think anybody in this room necessarily would be that way on purpose. <laughs> but you do it in your head all day. You get angry about stuff. You start having the argument in your head before you ever showed up. You get mad. You get angry. They've done you wrong again. You don't like what they've done. And pastor was just talking about forgiveness <laughs> last Sunday. Why? Because you've got bitterness. And that root of bitterness is starting to spring up and it's troubling you and many are getting defiled. And the wrath is there and you just explode on a dime because you have no control over it. You let it get out of control. Your temperance is gone because your anger is constantly there. Have no dealings with an angry man, with a furious man, thou shalt not go. And it all gets right down to the, uh, the truth is that you are that way. You feel that way. You can't get out of your own way with it. Because you won't put on being kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why am I so angry? Because you can't figure out how to be kind. Because you can't forgive. You know, I think, I think one of the greatest one of the greatest things you could ever do to be like Christ is the last one on the list, forgiving one another 
even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I think that would take care of a whole lot of the rest of the list. Our problem is we, we can't forgive people because we don't want to forgive them. We let the bitterness stay there because we like that we get to be bitter. We have a cause to fight for. Your cause isn't right. Regardless of how poorly they treated you, your cause isn't right. And you ordered an entire message on it last Sunday, so I'm not going to preach it all over again. But the truth is, you just don't want, you don't want to forgive them. You like feeling like the victim. We are in a society today where if I can feel like the victim, I look great. It's the victim mentality. Well, everybody did me wrong. So we have to tear down all of the statues of our history and we have to go ahead and cancel everybody and everything because I am, a, I am victimized. Everybody hates me and everybody is against me and I'm just an awful... Or you could forgive one another. The sad reality is that most things that happen in your life where you think you've been slighted, I would say a good 90%. I might even be low. We're probably not about you at all. It's what Pastor mentioned this morning. It's that the other person got all about them. They didn't do that to be mean to you. They did that because it was better for them. I'm going to give you a simple example. I don't know if anybody's following me, so... Uh, you're at, the, you're at the parking lot, and you're going to pull in, and you're ready to pull into a space, and that person cut you off to get into that parking space. Was that about you? Nope. You want to know why it wasn't about you? Because it didn't matter who was in that other car. <laughs> but you're mad. You're mad. I feel slighted. That person did that to me. No, they wanted a better spot, spot to park in, so they parked there. <laughs> so, yeah, but they did that to me. No, they didn't. They did that to whoever. They didn't care. <laughs> well, so-and-so, you know, they just, they said these things. Yeah, but it might have been a lie to make them look good. See, they, they didn't worry about lying about you. They were worried about lying so that they didn't look bad. You see, it's more not about you, it's more about me when I make those mistakes. <laughs> well, if I can look better, then I want to say it that way. That way they, you know, you'll see they talk bad about me. No, they talk good about themselves. Well, yeah, but then, then it makes it look like it's about them and not about me, and I want it to be about me. Okay. You see what I mean? I think 90% of the problems that we have, nobody was malicious to you. They were just all about them. They were selfish and self-centered. And when do, you get out of, when do you have the problem? You have the problem when you go, that was about me. <laughs> they did that to hurt me. No, they did that to make themselves into something they're not. And it didn't matter to them who it cost. Say, so, so what can I do? Forgive them. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's a tough statement. 
I say that's really hard to do. We won't turn there for sake of time. Luke chapter 15. I think it is. Let me double check. Luke 17. I thought I said the wrong chapter there. Luke 17. There, the disciples are talking, and the Lord tells them, uh, you know, you've got to forgive. <laughs> Seventy times seven. Forgive. You know what their statement is? Increase our faith. We talk about that spot, increase our faith, and we want our faith increased and so on. You know what the context is? Forgiving people. You know what that tells me? That tells me that if I'm going to forgive people, I've got to trust that God's got it under control. I've got to trust that when He says that He will protect me, and He'll meet my needs, and He'll supply for me, and that He'll get the truth, and the truth will come to light, and I can trust that He's got the truth, and that He'll take care of it, that I can trust Him to take care of it. It's not faith that the other guy's going to do the right thing. It's faith that God's going to do the right thing. That I can take that trouble to Him and go, Lord, I, I feel like I got done wrong right here, and this wasn't right, and I need, I need to forgive them, so I'm going to forgive them, and I'm going to trust that you got it under control, and that you, I can forgive them. Jesus' statement, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. <laughs> Most people have no idea what they did to you. Because they're too busy looking at them. They're going, what, what can help me out? So how do I put on Christ? By faith. Start putting off those things and start putting on some new things. One of the things that I liked that article that I referenced, you know what the man said? 12, 12 point plan for his morning. You know what he said about it? He said, I didn't start all 12 at once. I did them one at a time. I just did them one at a time until I got to where I could do all 12 and it wasn't really hard for me. He goes, now I'm, I am more productive than I've ever been in my entire life. CEO of a company. I mean, he's running the place. More productive. How to get there? Just one step at a time. Just one. Just make that one change. Start making that one change. And then make another change. And then make another change. So how do I know which one? Live by the faith of the Son of God. Ask Him. Which one? Lord, what do I need to put off right now? What do, I need to, what do I need to get off? What do I need to start doing? And replace it with what Christ would have me do. What is that? That's living by faith. Putting off the old man, the Gentile walk, and going ahead and putting on the new man, putting on Christ. So that an entire world, you know what they'll see? That you're living by the faith of the Son of God, that you're a child of God. They'll see the one who you want to identify with. We're going to have some people up here next Sunday night. They're going to get baptized. What are we doing baptism for? We do it to show everybody that we've identified with our Savior. And we say the statement, right? Romans chapter 6, risen to walk in newness of life. It's a new life. He saved you to walk in a new life. He saved you so that you could do those things. He made you a child of God to do what? 
to live like a child of God. I don't feel like I can do that. Then act like it. (laughs) Act like it. At least let a world know you've got a God in heaven and you at least want to act like you're supposed to act. So I don't feel it. That's a worldly mentality. Uh, Just, I'm going to ask this and I'm going to be done. Uh, It's Mother's Day, so I'll ask this question of you mothers. Do you want your child to obey or do you want them to love what you've told them to do first? You want them to obey. Well, I want them to do it with a good smile. No, I want them to obey. (laughs) Why? Because if they'll obey, they'll learn that I have their best interest at heart. They'll learn why I have them do it that way. When I worked, you know, doing electrical work, you do those things. You do, you do certain jobs. We got different guys that work construction, different things. We do things a certain way. <laughs> why do you do them that way? Because you were trained to do them that way. Well, why'd they train you that way? Because it's the law. <laughs> I do them that way, not because I wanted to do it that way, but because I have to do it that way. You find out later that it's safer if you do it that way. You may not understand why you did it that way, but you do now. Well, I don't want to act like the Lord told you how to act. Would you rather have your child obey in public and behave themselves and act as if they're a good kid, even when they're a monster at home? Why? I'd want them to look good out there. Why? Because I want the world to think my kid's good. Yeah, but he's a terror at home. You can correct that. I won't talk about that. We can correct that. Wouldn't it be great if the Lord could look at you and say, yeah, that's my kid. And they act like they're my kid. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Doing what? Just acting like you were taught. You have not so learned Christ. To live what? Live like the Gentiles. How do I live? Live by the faith of the Son of God. The just shall live by faith. Father, I thank you for the night. I thank you for your goodness and your care and your compassion of us. I thank you that you saved us and you didn't just save us and then walk away. You saved us to keep us for all of eternity and give us a, a great life. And Lord, you gave us the ability to live by faith and to trust you that you've got everything under control. Lord, I do pray you'd help us to put off the old man and to put on the new man and to do things the way we ought to do them in the way that would glorify our Savior the most. Lord, once again, I pray you'd bless the night, keep us all safe. Lord, we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.